Good morning. Wow. We've already had church in here. Worship was so amazing. And man, Laura's testimony so encouraging. So excited to be up here and to share the word with you guys this morning. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for what you're doing in and among us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather freely, to worship, to sit in community among other believers and open up the word together. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're so active in our midst, so active in our life. And we continue to give you full reign of service. Lord, have your way, have your will. Our hearts are open, our minds are alert to what you have to say to each and every one of us individually. God, we receive it in advance by faith. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, this morning we are in week four of our January Book of Prayers series. We're talking all about prayer and really dialing in to the topic of praying for the lost. Um, Every January we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're a little over halfway through that as we're doing our prayer list challenge. Many of us have made lists of people um, that we have devoted to praying for every day this month. Um, And many of us have people on that list that are far from the Lord and all different kinds of situations. But just as a recap, in case you weren't here the whole series, week one, uh, it was uh, January 1st, and we just leaned into the prayer theme of, God, what are you doing in my life? God, we asked the question, God, what are you doing in my life? We took a look at a scripture in Ecclesiastes that talks about whatever God is doing, it will last forever. So we just pondered, Lord, what is your priority for me this year? What is your agenda for me this year? What are you initiating in my life? And I want to make sure that I'm aware of that and leaned into that. Week two, we talked about how prayer actually works. We're not just wasting our breath when we pray. We actually believe that God hears us and he answers our prayers. We took a look at James 5.16, which says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, woman, person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Talked about how prayer actually works. As we're dedicating every day this month to praying for our prayer list and and leaning in extra to prayer, we reminded ourselves that, man, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person actually makes a difference. It actually produces power, and God actually answers prayer. Then last week, we took a look at, um, we really zoomed into the topic of the lost, And we took a look, really, for the last couple of Sundays at Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we zoomed in on that phrase, lost. And we were like, what does that really mean? And we we realized that if if you study the Greek of that word, it's more literally translated many other places in Scripture to say um, those who are perishing, or those who are on the path of destruction eternally. And we realized, man, this isn't like a hide-and-seek game that Jesus is playing. Like, this is a search-and-rescue mission for people who are on the path to perishing, and it changes the whole paradigm. We talked a lot about that last week. We took a look at how Jesus saw and had compassion for the lost, how he prayed for the lost. And um, we know we talked about how Scripture says that God's not willing that any should perish, but he's long-suffering towards us and patient holding out till the end of time so that all could be saved. 
And if God's main mission is to seek and save the lost, it should be ours as well. So we just stirred up our heart on the lost and are we burdened for, are we seeing, are we having compassion for, are we praying for the lost in the same way Jesus is because we should be because we're Christians, we're little Christ, we should be representing his mission on earth um, with the same fervor as he did. And so we've been talking about prayer all month, but really all month I've just been trying to give you the why behind the what, like why should we be praying for the lost? Today we're going to give some real practical handles. Like I pray, my prayer, my mission this morning is to either sharpen your prayer tools in your tool belt or to give you tools in your tool belt for how do we practically and scripturally pray for those who are far from God. Because I don't know about you, but early on in my relationship with the Lord, it was like, people pray for like a long time, but what do they say? Like, other than, God, would you save so-and-so? Like, what else do you say? Like, how else do you pray? And I've shared this story before, but it, it fits because... The first person, the first lost person that I prayed for was my husband, and it was when we were 18 years old and we had puppy dog love, Um, but I wanted him saved. I wanted him in heaven for eternity, and so I prayed, God, save Eric, but I didn't know, like, but I was more passionate about it than that, and so I didn't know how else do I pray, and so I remember distinctly one day I said, God, no, I'm, like, really serious about it, like, even if it means that, like, I have to die so that he can be saved, like, that's how serious that, you know, just trying to give articulation to my cry out to the Lord, and that was not scriptural, but it was very heartfelt, And scripture says the earnest, heartfelt prayer makes tremendous power available, right? So really the secret sauce to prayer is faith and and passion, you know, crying out to the Lord, heartfelt desire. But, But scripture does clearly show us how we can pray scripturally because when you pray, you wanna make sure you're praying in line with God's will and you wanna like make sure you're saying it the right way, right? Not that there's a right or wrong way to say something if it's with faith and heartfelt, but I just want to give you guys some handles this morning on what does that look like? What are some scriptural, practical ways that we can pray for the lost? Um, and the first one is this. We talked about it a little bit last week. I want to camp out on it a little bit more this morning. And the number one way, the first way that we can pray for the lost is to pray that believers surround their life. Number one way, how do I pray for the lost? I've got a list full of people in my life that are far from the Lord. How do I specifically pray other than God save them? Pray for believers, active believers, to surround their life. And we see that in Jesus' example in Matthew 9, 36. We read this a lot last Sunday. I'm going to read it one more time today. It says, but when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. I'm not going to preach last week's message, but I could. I'm fired up about it. He was moved with compassion for them, right? Compassion is key. Because they were weary and he saw them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He saw them and he was moved with empathy and compassion. He wasn't judgmental towards them, right? And he said to his disciples, he modeled for them how to pray for the lost. He said, truly the harvest is plentiful. Man, there's so many lost people. There's so many people scattered and weary and anxious and without purpose. He said, but the labors are few. Therefore, what are we going to do when we see a lot of people in our life that need Jesus? What what are we going to do? We're going to pray. But what specifically does Jesus pray? He says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors 
into his harvest. This is so significant to me. Jesus could have prayed a lot of things in this moment. He could have said, look at all of these lost people. We got to do something about it. So God, wave your magic wand and save them. He didn't pray that. He didn't even in this moment, the Holy Spirit is, is a very big part of prayer. And we're going to talk about that in point two. But he didn't pray, Holy Spirit, be active in their life. The number one thing he prayed when he saw the great need of people far from God was he prayed for us to start getting active in their life. Wow, that's big. That's really big. Out of all the things Jesus could have prayed for when he saw the lost people, the thing that was going to make the biggest difference was if believers would get activated in their life. Wow, that's really significant. God has really chosen to use us. He really, like we are his plan A, there is no plan B. Like Jesus came and did everything he's going to do. And then the Holy Spirit has been released so that we could be ambassadors for Christ, so that we, Jesus' mission could be multiplied through us. Like we are his plan A. Believers getting activated in these people's lives, loving them and serving them and, and representing, being salt and light in the earth, right? Man, that's big. And so how do I pray for the lost people in my life? How do I pray for those that are on the path of destruction? The number one practical spiritual way that we can pray is God, send active believers in their life. Send people in their life that love you and that are active in their faith, that are loving, that have their head up and that are seeing the lost in their life, that are seeing their lost coworker and neighbor and teacher and student and all the different relationships we have. It's the number one way we can pray. And so for a lot of us, there's people on our list that aren't in our vicinity. They're, they don't live in town. And so we're praying, God, people in Pittsburgh or whoever, wherever your person lives, send believers in their life there, and, and you kind of have access to their life, but maybe not right now you do. But there's other people in your list that you're like, I might be that person I'm praying for. I might be the only believer in their life that could be salt and, and light to them. And so this point is twofold. Number one, it's how we pray. And it's the one way that Jesus prayed when he saw the multitudes in the valley of decision, right? And so there, it must be the primary way that he's, and we see that all throughout scripture, the primary way God is choosing to save the world is through us. Um, and that's the primary way that the lost can get saved is when believers are activated and we really live, walk the walk and talk the talk, right? So it's how we pray, but then it's also how we live. And I actually want to show you guys a video. And usually we don't show really long videos during the message, but this one is actually a five-minute video. And I could explain what it's saying, but it's just so powerful for you to watch for yourself as it relates to this point. And I'll kind of uh, lead it up for you. So there's a comedian group, Penn and Teller, and you're going to see a video of one of the comedians, Penn, he, he used to do a video blog, and um, he did a whole video blog about this experience he had. He's, a, he's an atheist, and he's a pretty outspoken atheist, but after his show, one of his fans brought a Bible to him, and he talks about this experience. And I just want you guys to see it, and then I'll come back, and we'll keep talking about it. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, 
we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing I mean he said I'm a businessman I'm I'm sane I'm not crazy and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this and uh, it was really wonderful I believe he knew that I was an atheist But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh... How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize 
and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Really powerful, right? Like he's preaching my message better than I am. Um, so you could just see him processing. He was really moved by this, you know, he said proselytizing, that means evangelizing or sharing faith. And, um, you know, he said, you know, he said what he said at the end about how he still doesn't believe in God and all that, but you could see he was so touched by the interaction. And I think it's important that he really emphasized this man was saying, this man was kind. He looked me in the eye. You know, he, he was heartfelt. It was genuine. It wasn't like he was checking off his spiritual to-do list, right? Like he could tell this man really cared. He left five phone numbers in the front of the Bible and all the stuff. And so just want to stir you guys up. You know, there's, there's certain people in your life for a reason. And are you the believer that Jesus was praying for 2,000 years ago? May May labors be active in this person's life. Amen? We could camp out on this one all morning, but we're going to keep going. I want to give you guys some more tools for your tool belt. Um, did the lights go up enough after the video? Just a little bit more, maybe. Um, number two practical way um, that we can pray for the lost is this. Number two. So number one, pray for labors. Pray for believers to be active in their life. Number two, pray for the Holy Spirit to be active and hover over their life and over their heart. Their heart. Pray for the Holy Spirit to hover. Um, and you know, it's super important that we as believers are active in the lost life. It's the number one way that Jesus prayed. Um, but, but salvation and someone surrendering their heart to Jesus is a supernatural thing. It's not a man-made thing. We can't, we can't force it to happen. It's a, it's a miracle that God does in, in all of our hearts, right? And so the, the action, the action or the, um, the movement of the Holy Spirit in their life is essential for salvation to happen. The movement of the Holy Spirit softening someone's heart is ultimately what brings salvation, right? And um, I love what this scripture in Genesis 1 says. So the first time that a member of the Trinity is mentioned in scripture, it's the Holy Spirit. And you see it in Genesis 1-2. Let's just check it out. It says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In, in, in Bible study, there's something called the principle of first mention. And anytime something is mentioned for the first time in the Bible, you want to pay attention because you can learn a lot about this topic and God's um, a great deal about the primary purpose of this thing. And so this is the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture. And it's interesting, it's not by happenstance that before God spoke, the Holy Spirit was hovering. The, the earth was without form. It was void. There was darkness over the face of the deep. But the Holy Spirit was hovering. 
And um, there's a great book called Intercessory Prayer by Dutch Sheets. And this is where I first was taught this. Um, that word hovering is actually like how a hen broods over her eggs, like, you know, warming the eggs, preparing them to be hatched, preparing for life to come forth. And so the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep like a mother hen does on eggs, preparing for them to hatch is the imagery that the original Hebrew word was in that scripture. And that's just so significant, right? Before... Um, a word is spoken to someone, the Holy Spirit has to be active in their life, right? And so one really practical way that we can pray for people that are far from God, that are perishing, is pray that the Holy Spirit would hover over their dwelling place. Pray that the Holy Spirit would hover over their mode of transportation. Praying that the Holy Spirit would hover over their heart and over their mind. Because what was the Holy Spirit doing there? The Holy Spirit was preparing the way for the word to be spoken. Because then we know most of the rest of Genesis 1 is, and God said, let there be. But before God said, let there be anything, the Holy Spirit was hovering, preparing the way, preparing people's hearts. You know, and you translate that to how does the Holy Spirit work as we're praying for people far from God? He prepares their hearts. So Holy Spirit, hover over them, soften their hearts, prepare their heart for the word to be spoken. And maybe you've got people on your list that you're like, I'm praying for them because they're actually on my list of people I want to invite when we move over to the new building. Well, before they're even in a service, hearing the word of God being preached, this would be a great prayer to be praying. Holy Spirit, hover over their life. Prepare for the word of God to be spoken. Maybe there's people on your list that you know God is nudging you to have a spiritual conversation with or... Or talk to them about God, um, and but maybe you don't feel like the timing is right just yet. Pray that the Holy Spirit would hover and prepare their heart, tenderize their heart towards the things of God. Amen. Um, another way, practical, spiritual way that we can pray. Number three, pray that the veil be lifted. Pray that the veil be lifted. Number three, pray that the veil be lifted. Um, we mentioned this a little bit. Um, in one of the weeks, but you see in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, it says, um, but, even, um, but even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, that's so key, the mind is like Satan's playground. When Satan came to Eve in the garden, he came with a thought. Did God really say that? Is that really true, what God said? Satan comes with thoughts. He comes in the mind. And so the scripture is saying, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. How is it veiled? Whose mind, the God of this age, Satan, has blinded. Their mind is blinded by this veil. Who do not believe, and it's causing them to not believe. Lest, why is that veil and that blinding of the mind there? Why does Satan put that there or try to put that there? Lest or to prevent the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we know from John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the main ways that he does that in people that are far from God is by veiling them or blinding their mind. It's one of his main tactics, to have doubts or accusations or things in their mind that prevent them from seeing clearly the gospel and the truth and the God of love, right? And so, we, so that's a way that we can pray. God, I pray that you lift this veil of darkness so that this person can see clearly. 
God, I pray against this blindness of their mind that they can see the light of the gospel. And then you have, when you pray scriptures like this, you have faith, like you're praying scripturally and it just builds your faith, right? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says this. It says, for, we, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. <clears throat> for what? For pulling down strongholds, mental strongholds. And then it goes on to define what is a stronghold. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought. See that? It's all, it's, a lot of this is in the lost mind and thoughts and how they um, process things, right? Bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. And so we can pray that the veil would be lifted, that these strongholds would be cast down, these imaginations in the mind that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. It's another really scriptural way that we can pray. You guys loading your tool belt? So we can pray for believers to be put in their life, active believers to be put in their life. We can pray that the Holy Spirit would hover over their life, preparing for the word of the Lord. And we can pray that the veil would be lifted, that their mind would not be blinded anymore, but that they could see the light of the gospel. Amen? But then there's other times that you're praying these things and you're like, but I want to pray more specifically. I've got two more tools to put in the tool belt. I want, you might be like, I want to pray like more specifically, like what is, what is the specific lie or what is the root of their unbelief? And sometimes God will give you an awareness of what it is and other times you don't. And so you feel like, oh, I wish I had more information as I'm praying. One other really powerful way that we can pray for the lost is number four, praying in the spirit. And we're a church here that believes in something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. We talk a lot about it in great detail, give you the opportunity to study it out for yourself in Basics 101. We really encourage you to check out that class if this topic is new to you, but this has been a game changer for my life as I pray for people in my life. Where, um, you know, sometimes you're praying and you've said everything that you know to say in English, but you're like, but I feel like there's still more to pray out, but I don't even know what it is that I'm supposed to pray out. What do you do in those kind of situations? Romans 8.26 tells us, Romans 8.26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know how we, or we, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, we don't, like, there's still more to pray out, but God, I don't even know, like, what words to use to pray it out. But I just have this feeling in my gut that there's more to pray out. So how do we pray? The Spirit himself will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. As we pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues, we're praying the perfect prayer. It's a language that we don't understand, but it's the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, praying through us. And it's such a powerful way to pray for the lost. And so if this is a part of your life, I encourage you as you're praying for the lost, pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, and the Spirit himself through you will make intercession for things that you don't you don't have knowledge of, right? That you don't have English words to pray out. And if you're like, what in the world is this lady talking about? I was like you too. I was like, huh, what? What is this thing? If you, if you look in the Bible, it's really there. It really is a part of the experience that Jesus has provided for us. And so um, really encourage you to check out Basics 101, which now is available always online and on demand um, that you can study that topic out. But that's such a powerful way, a tool in the tool belt of how to pray for the lost. Number five, I'm going to close with this one. How do we pray for the lost? How do we pray for those that are far from the Lord? Number five, pray the Ephesians prayers. 
What's so cool in, in scripture is that there's actually scriptures that are documented that the early church prayed. And they're scriptures, but they're also prayers. And so, like, you can just read out of your Bible. You don't even have to memorize them. You can read out of your Bible these scriptures. And two really powerful ones are in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. Um, and I'm going to just go ahead and read Ephesians 1. It's Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. And it says, I do not cease to give thanks to you. So, it's a letter the Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church of Ephesus. And he's saying, I, I haven't stopped praying for you. And, he, and then he goes on to say how he was praying for them. I'm making mention of you in my prayers. And I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So powerful. This, with the lifting the veil, together is super powerful. God, lift the veil, take the blindness away, help them see the light of the gospel. And once that's gone, then pray this, Lord, that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that there would be this light bulb moment that the dots connect and they can see clearly the gospel, right? It goes on in verse 18, Lord, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, Again, it's kind of like a sister scripture to the veil one. The veil is there lest or to prevent them from seeing the light of the gospel. But this scripture gives us tools to say, so Lord, help them flood the eye. Another translation says, flood the eyes of our heart or their heart with, with understanding. So praying that light would flood the eyes of their heart. Lord, give them light bulb moments. Give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And if we've been believers for any um, length of time, we understand what this means. It's kind of hard to explain it, but you know what it means when you're reading the scripture and something just pops off the page at you. And you've read it a million times, but now you have revelation, like you can see clearly what it means, right? And so maybe this person that you're praying for, maybe they've been to church before, and maybe someone's talked to them about God before, but you're praying that it, the light bulb clicks and that they see clearly for the first time. They have revelation for the first time, right? It's a good prayer. So it goes on. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened, why? That they might know the hope of his calling. So, I mean, you could spend five, 15 minutes just praying this one scripture for this person. Praying out this scripture and expounding on it as, as the spirit leads, right? That we're praying for wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation. For the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. That they might know the hope of their calling. May, may, may you give them purpose, Lord. May they, they have hope of the calling that you have on their life. What, and it goes on to explain what that is. What are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That's a good scripture. Like even if that's your only tool, that's a really good tool to have to pray for people in your life. Another scripture in Ephesians is this, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. It's a, another recorded scripture, and it says, and I'm picking up in the middle of the prayer, but it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. God, I pray for this person that you may dwell in their heart through faith and that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And then you can pray for the person. Lord, I pray that they would be able to comprehend. Again, a lot of this is in the mind, right? And you, I hopefully, the mind is mentioned a lot in all of these scriptures, Lord, help them in their mind to comprehend with all of the saints. Give them revelation in their mind. Flood the eyes of their heart with understanding that they might be able to comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the depth, the height to know. Lord, help them know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. 
Why? That they might be filled with the fullness of God. Really great scriptures. You feel like you're getting homework this morning? I kind of feel like I'm giving you homework this morning. Well, we've got our 21 days of prayer. We've got one more week left, right? And so here's some ammo for your prayer life as you're praying for these people. So what do we talk about? Pray for believers to be sent in their life. Pray for the Holy Spirit to hover. Pray for the veil to be lifted. Pray in the Spirit and pray the Ephesians prayers. Now you can't say that we didn't tell you how to pray for your prayer list. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you for giving us tools in our tool belt to pray for those people in our life that are far from you. And so God, we do that right now as a church community. Church, I'm gonna just pray a prayer over the mic, and but we're gonna pray it collectively for these people that are on our list. And we're gonna pray the things that we just talked about. And so God, we lift up in our mind and in our heart these people on our list. Lord, we see their faces, we see their names. And Lord, we ask that you send believers into their life. Lord, we, we pray that you would send labors into the harvest. And Lord, if that's us, Lord, give us courage. Give us the words to speak. Lord, give us the opportunity and give us the courage to walk through that opportunity. Lord, we ask for labors to be sent in on their sports team and on their, in their workplace and all the places that they go. And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would hover over their life. Lord, we see their faces and their lives. And Lord, we ask that Holy Spirit, would you hover over their life, over their dwelling, over their places of transportation and their places of employment, the, their schools that they go to and the places that they dwell. Holy Spirit, would you tenderize their heart, prepare their heart for the word of the Lord to be spoken, prepare them to receive the light of the gospel. And Lord, we pray against this veil of darkness. Lord, we pray against the schemes of the enemy. We cast down stronghold and every thought or imagination that exalts itself against above the knowledge of Christ. And, and Lord, we pray instead of that veil, instead of that blindness in their mind, Lord, we pray for wisdom and revelation that light would flood their, the eyes of their heart with understanding. Lord, we pray for light bulb moments. We pray that they would have awareness for the first time and be able to comprehend with all the saints the depth, the width, the length, the height of your love for them, Lord. May they tangibly, through experience, experience your love. God, we thank you for getting a hold of their heart. We thank you that they don't leave this earth before they know you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we see them loving you. We see them serving you. We see them walking fully in the call that you have for their life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, right? Awesome. We're going to close service here in just a moment, but we never like to close service without giving an invitation. For those of you who might be here this morning and you don't have confidence of, of what you believe, maybe you've come to church before, maybe not, maybe it's your first time joining online or in person, and um, you know, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. None come to the Father except through him. And we don't have to do a bunch of backbends and, and twists and cartwheels to earn God's favor. We simply just have to believe. And to confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm making the decision from now on. You're the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I don't have it figured out, but please help me. And so we close every service with a prayer of faith to just say, Jesus, you're our Lord. You're our Savior. Come and lead our life. We submit to your Lordship.
So church family, let's pray this together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And if you're here this morning and you've never said this prayer before, but you want to have assurance of heaven, you want to fully commit your life to the Lord this morning with all eyes closed and all head bowed, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm going all in with Jesus this morning. Amen, church family. I see that hand. Let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And today, I receive his forgiveness. And I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that he is my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.